This message is brought to you by Living Faith Church. You can find us on the web at livingbyfaith.com. I think the place that we're at right at the moment is that the realities of life and circumstances and people and COVID and politics and all kinds of stuff There's a whole bunch to life right at the moment that leaves us asking a lot of questions. And I think what's very important for us is to remain grounded, to remain solid and established in who I am and what I'm called to do. This is not a time for the church to step back There is too much happening in the world right at the moment. This is a time for the world to really stand up and have influence. It's about finding our place in the world. It's about finding our calling in the world and what it is that we're supposed to be doing. Genesis chapter 1 such an important chapter because it becomes like the gold standard for us. It becomes the benchmark for who we're supposed to be. It speaks to us about God's plan and God's purpose for creation and for humanity and for the environment, for the world in which we find ourselves. It's about what God intended before sin came in and began to compromise everything. And I talk about that place often. And the reason I do it is because it gives us an idea as to where we should be. And so wherever we find ourselves right now, what God is always saying to us is, this is what my original design was. And this is who I want you to be. This is how I want you to live. He spoke about, let us make man in our image And then we put him in a place where he lives from authority. A place of influence over the earth and over creation. I think what's important about that is that there are two key questions that really come out of those, that that situation. Two questions that really affect and influence every person. They're really at the core of our being and what we're all about. And the questions are, who am I? And why am I here? It doesn't matter whether you're a churchgoer. It doesn't matter whether you're a person of the world. It doesn't matter where you find yourself. If you speak to people, there is something built within them. There's something innately within them that sits and says, I want to know who I am and I want to know why I'm here. As a born-again believer, the thing about it is it becomes important for us to begin to understand and answer those questions. When we have a look at who I am as a, a creation built in his image, something happened between the point where God created us and where we find ourselves today. Sin came in. 
and I find myself in a place removed from his original design. And the reason that we celebrate Jesus, the reason that we celebrate Christ, is because the whole purpose of redemption was to sit and say, you had no way of getting back to the original design. You had no way of getting to where he wanted you to originally be, but I've created an opportunity for you to do that. If you want to know who you're supposed to be, take a look at Christ. We are to be conformed to his image. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. I am become a new creation in Christ. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Christ in me, the hope of glory. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives. What is it saying? It's saying the invitation is for you to recognize the fact that Christ offers us the opportunity to step back into our original design, to become what he intended us to be. He's giving us the opportunity to step into an identity that is defined by Christ and the fullness of who he is. It becomes really important because who you are becomes an equipping and an ability for you to be able to do some stuff in life. It's important that we know who we are because when you know who you are, it sets you up to live from a place where God is able to give definition and focus to that. When you know who you are, he's going to sit and say, fine, I appreciate the fact that you want to live out of that space. But the thing about it is I want to channel that and your life specifically into a particular area because I have a purpose. I have a place for you. I have a particular calling that is on your life that is distinct to everybody else. He's doing something on the inside of us and he's working on the inside of us so that we can step into the fullness of who I need to be and I can answer the question, I know who I am because the reason that I know who I am is because he's designed me to do something. I think sometimes it becomes difficult for us to understand what it is that we're supposed to be doing because we try to answer the question in an isolated capacity. We look at it purely from a spiritual point of view. And what I'm suggesting to you today is this. I think that when God has a look at our purpose, the thing about it is it's holistic in nature. What I mean by that is this. God has gifted you in a certain way. God has gifted you the way that you have. God has created a personality on the inside of you that is different to a personality of other people. All of these things combined are coming together and are the, the elements, the individual ingredients that he's put into a package that is designed for you to move to a space where you recognize what your calling is, what your purpose is, and it's for the realization of that. Don't try and change your personality because you're not like somebody else. He called you to be the way that you are. If anybody's going to make any changes in who you are, you need to rely on the Holy Spirit for that. He's the one who's going to take you and mold you and shift you and change you. He's the one who's going to do stuff in your life. Don't change who you are because you could be affecting the ingredients of what he's intentionally put inside of who you are, are supposed to be. He is collectively putting things into you. And so when he talks about your purpose, your purpose is going to be spiritually driven and it's going to be spiritually given focus. But the fact is that God has created you holistically and each part of what he's put into who you are is going to contribute to you realizing the purpose for your life. Our identity becomes a springboard for wonderful things. 
The challenge for so many people is that we have a look at who we are and we, we look at our, our lives and we sit and say, the, the difficulty that I'm having at the moment is I don't feel as though I have an education that sets me up to be a person who has a, a, any calling of significance. Maybe you never had training. Maybe you've never been at a place where um, you, know, you, you had enough experience. Maybe you feel as though you don't have the resources. I don't know where you are. The thing about it is, if you're a new creation in Christ, the thing is his very nature comes and is dwelling on the inside of who you are. And because his very nature is on the inside of who I am, what he's inviting us into is moving to a place where we recognize the promise that he offers us. It doesn't matter when you look at yourself or your situations or your contribution to things. What he's saying is you have something to contribute to realizing your calling. You have something to contribute to realizing your place in the world because his nature is on the inside of you. You have something that you can tap into that's going to invite you to step into that place and realize what he has available for you. What I'm proposing this morning is... The idea that our fulfillment, when we have a look at when God created man, our fulfillment is going to come through two different areas. And both of those areas become areas of significance for us. The one is who you are, and the second one is what you do. It's about being and doing. It is both things. The thing about it is, is when you have a, look at, have a look at when God created man, he created man in his image, but he created him for a purpose. The purpose was important. It was important for man that he had something and an objective to fulfill. And it was in the context of God that he got to do that. There are two, they, I view them very much as being two halves of the same coin. It's important for us to move to a place where we understand who we are. Because we are, we are to be, we are to be conformed to the image of Christ. We are to be people who are continually changing so that we realize the very nature that's on the inside of us. It becomes conse- consequential and significant for us because everything that God has available to you is going to come to that place in your life. Jesus and the fact that he overcame sin and death, the fact that he conquered the devil and that he overcame all of those things is something that introduces us to authority. The authority comes to understanding who we are and and moving and living from a place of Christ's victory. It comes to my identity in that space. God's blessing comes to that place. Blessed is he whose delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his words he meditates day and night. It's like a tree planted by the streams of water. It yields its fruit in season. And his leaf shall not wither and whatever he does shall prosper. Why? Because God's blessing comes to that place. Go into all the world and preach the gospel, and these signs shall, and these signs shall follow those who believe. God's anointing comes to that place. 
God's provision comes to our identity when we begin to realize who we are and what we're all about in him. God's provision comes to that place. He's calling us to live from that space. The thing is, when we begin to live from that space, what happens is we begin to realize the fullness of all that he's provided for us. But what he's saying to us is, there's something very exclusive about who you are. And I do have a particular plan. I have a purpose. I have a place. I have a calling for who you are. And it's to take all of that stuff and to fulfill something in particular for your life. I think in many instances... We, we focus a lot on who we are. And it's important to do that. And I've tried to underscore, like in the last few minutes, the importance and the significance of realizing who we are in him and in getting established in that identity. But it's important for us to recognize that the reason where God wants us to move into that space is because he wants you to be his feet and his hands on the earth. He wants you to have influence in the world in which you find yourself. The funny thing about it is when you read the Bible, it never says go and get people born again. It says go and make disciples. The reason that disciples become important is it's not to say that becoming born again isn't important. What he's saying is born again is the gateway. But I don't want you to stay a baby. What he's saying is I want you to grow up. I want you to mature spiritually so that you move to the place where you understand what it is to be able to become somebody who's able to take the things of the kingdom and introduce them into the world in which you find yourselves. You have a vital place in the world as a Christian, as a born-again believer, as a person who has the life of God on the inside of you. You have a vital place in the world. Jesus conquered Satan and he overcame the world but he never removed us from his territory why it's because we're to be the hands and the feet we're to be the people who have influence in the environment in which we find ourselves we're to be the people who introduce the kingdom into that environment the reason that God left us in a territory called the world which is the system run by the the devil is because we are to be a divine settlement that's in the middle of his territory. A heavenly colony that's designed to have influence in the world. The place that we have, the part that we have to play is invaluable to the world because without us, they don't get to see him. It becomes really important for us to realize that when God is working in us and he's doing something in us, he's doing something for a greater reason and a greater cause than myself. The role that we have to play is very important. We have this idea. Ah, Let me rephrase that. God never called the church to a place of worldly abstinence. There is some thinking out there amongst Christians and certain churches that we are to be separated from the world and we're not to touch the world. Now, we're not to engage ourselves and be defined by the world. The thing about it is we're not to live by abstinence from the world. The thing about it is God's called us to have influence in that place. If you have a look at 2 Corinthians chapter 2, 
In verse 20, it says, For you were included in the death of Christ and have died with him to the religious system and powers of this world. Don't retreat back to being bullied by the standards and opinions of religion. For example, there's strict requirements. You can't associate with that person or don't eat that or you can't touch that. These are the doctrines of men and corrupt customs that are worthless to help you spiritually. What God is saying is this. There is a... a an, There is a voice that is a religious voice that is not a spiritual voice. A religious voice says you're not to touch the things of the world. You're not to get involved in the things of the world. Keep separate from the things of the world. What God is sitting saying to us is because that may be a religious voice doesn't necessarily mean it's a spiritual voice. And it's not going to introduce us to his plans and his purposes. The thing about it is we don't overcome the world by not touching things. We overcome the world by being otherworldly. We are supposed to be thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. The reason that he introduces us as to be, to be kingdom citizens, to be otherworldly, is to sit and say, I want you to recognize the fact that you are here to introduce heaven with regular uh, intervals. We are supposed to have uh, um, influence in the world and where we are. We are not to be removed from it. It doesn't mean we allow it to define us. It means we are here to influence it. But the thing is, you don't get to influence it if you're not engaged with it. If you want a good picture as to what it means for the, world, for the church to, to um, in, employ a, a degree of abstinence from areas, have a look at what's happening in the education system. We have a terrible problem in the education system right at the moment because what... Kids at a young and impressionable age are being exposed to is a direct result of the church not having influence in that space. You want to have a look what's happening in much of the media and have a look at the ideas that they're propagating. Where is it? Because the world, the church has no influence in that space. Don't touch. Don't touch. Hands off. We have a look at much of what, what's happening in government, local government, state government, national government. What's happening? The church has been, well, you know, hands off, don't touch. We're supposed to be in the world, not of the world. The problem with it is that's why we're in a situation where we have a look at so much legislation that's taking place and we struggle to digest it because it's so incongruent with what's happening with the word of God. The reason that God never removed us from Satan's territory, the world, is to fulfill his purpose of touching it. We are to fulfill God's purpose of touching the world that we find ourselves in. The whole point is what he's saying is light overcomes darkness. You to be the light in that environment. You to be the light in the world. We have a calling that goes beyond who I am. We have a calling that extends beyond simply my happiness and my fulfillment and my health and my provision. It extends towards realizing the fact that I'm a kingdom citizen in this place. And as a kingdom citizen, I'm here to take the kingdom and introduce it to the world. I'm in this place to push the world and its influence back in spaces and make sure that I'm at a place where I have something to offer the world. The problem with so much of the, wor- the church right at the moment is that we spend our life throwing stones instead of offering answers and solutions. Yeah. All we ever do is criticize. Yeah. Well, that's wrong and that's wrong and this shouldn't be the case. Well, inherently you may be right. The thing is that people aren't really interested and people are not motivated by criticism. People are motivated by answers. 
We've got to be at a place where we can sit and say, this is why what Jesus has to offer is better than where you are. This is why what Jesus has for you is better than the current proposition. Why? Because it's an answer and it introduces people to a more expansive and a fuller way of living than where they are right at the moment. But as long as we spend our lives throwing stones at the world and not, as, and not having influence in that space, all we do is we remove ourselves from affecting what the future is going to look like. I think it was Mark Twain. I think it was Mark Twain who said, the two most important days in your life is the day you were born and the day you discover why you were born. The day you were born and the day you discover why you were born. There was a reason that you were born There was a reason that you were put on this earth. And our responsibility is to discover the reason that I was put on here. It's the why. It's trying to find that place. It's trying to find that calling for my life. Over the next couple of weeks, what I want to do is I want to speak to you about the calling. I want to speak to you about your place in this world and your place in this life. I want to give you some practical tips to be able to identify and recognize what that is and opportunities to be able to step into that space. We we talk a lot about our identity and who we are, but we don't spend a lot of time talking about our purpose, our place in that life. I want to speak a lot about those kind of things. I think it's important for us and become something that's very consequential, particularly where this nation finds itself today. Our calling is something that goes beyond finding simply a a spiritual place. It is getting to that point where we recognize that it is a total total transformation, but realization of who we are, the full potential of every aspect of who I am. God is working with us and in our lives, and sometimes we don't even recognize the fact that he's doing certain things in us to get us to a place where we're going to realize the fullness of what that place is in our lives. He's doing some stuff, and he's putting some things into our lives, and sometimes it takes us to get to that point when we start living out of our purpose for that life, where we suddenly begin to recognize and appreciate some of what's been put into our life and sown into it along the way, where as we were on the journey, we didn't recognize why that was significant. But it plays a part in those things. God wants us to realize our full potential in terms of who we are. And that's about our calling. It's moving to that place where things just begin to click into place. Things all of a sudden come to a point where it's like they seem to make sense. It seems to be something which simply transcends simply understanding. But moving to a place where I find that groove in my life. There is something spiritually that clicks. There is something innate within me. A gut feel. There's something instinctual that says, okay, this is it. I know what it's all about. I know what it is that my calling is and how I'm to make this happen. I know what God has called me to do. And until I reach that point, really what ends up happening is I just live life. It's not to say that the things of life are not important. There's plenty of stuff in my life that's consequential. The thing is, in the, in the midst of consequential things that I'm doing, I want to find my purpose. I want to find my place.
Until we find that place, the problem with it is we really don't know how to direct our lives because we don't have a mission. So I'm still carrying on. But it's when you really identify that place and you sit and say, I know what my calling is. Suddenly it's like I can get some focus. I can begin to put my, th- my thoughts together. I can start to head in a particular direction. How do we begin to do this? How do we begin to practically walk out my calling and what it is that I'm all about? What I would suggest is this. Number one, don't look for a booming voice from heaven. God isn't going to one day sit and say, this is your calling. I'm not going to discover it that way. What I would suggest to you is that the first thing to do is to act, is to take a step and begin to do something. And the reason that I say that is this. It's based on the premise and the understanding that your place and your calling were created before you were given form. I knew you before I formed you in the womb. What it's saying is God knew about who you were and God knew about what it is that he wanted to do in your life before you were ever given any kind of form. Nobody built a toaster and said, I wonder what we should do with this. Nobody built a lawnmower and said, wow, that's really cool. What should we do with this thing? Everything is always created with purpose. You know what it is that you're trying to do and you put that together and it results in ultimately what is produced. I believe it's the same thing with our life. God knows the reason that he created you. You're to be distinct. You're to be unique. And because of that, God created you to fulfill a purpose, to find a place, to realize what your calling is in life. The thing about it is it becomes important to have this basic understanding because what it means is you're not out there trying to create a purpose for your life. You're not out there trying to create a place for yourself. You're realizing it already has been done. And as a result of that, the focus of my life is sitting saying, understanding that God has got something for me, a particular place for me. It's a treasure because it's that place that I need to get into. It's a calling that I need to step in where the fullness of my potential and all that I am is going to be realized. I need to discover it. It already exists. It's about discovery. It's not about creating it. There is something on the inside of who we are as people that is never going to let you escape that. I believe that it stems from when God created us. Let us make man in our image and let's put them in a place where they can live from a point of authority, having influence over creation and the earth. I believe that innately built on the inside of us was a space to live from what God created. It's called fulfillment. And until I realize what that is, both in terms of who I am and why I was built, it's difficult for me to ever feel a sense of fulfillment. It's, it's a strange thing, but I talk to a lot of people all the time, and very often I find people who want to put things into a mutually exclusive camp. It's like, okay, well, it's all about our identity. It's about all, it's, everything's about who I am in Christ. Well, I, I don't ever want to negate that because I think that that's very important, and I think it's fundamental. But what I'm saying is God never created Adam and put him in the garden and said, don't do anything. You and I will just have a nice little kumbaya moment every evening. He created him with purpose. 
God created us with purpose. Yes, we need to understand who we are and we need to step into that. But at the same time, I believe that we have a responsibility to discover what my calling is. What is my place in the earth? And it is going to be something that is holistic. It is something that's going to touch every aspect of your life. And as a result of that, when I step into that space and I realize the fullness of what I was created to do, it leaves me at a place of fulfillment. And until I get that, there's something that burns on the inside of me. There is a hunger on the inside of me that says, I want more than this. I want more than this. So I'm on a mission of discovery. I'm on a mission to try and find what it is that God has for me. And when I'm on that mission of discovery and I'm trying to discover a treasure, it's important that I look in the right place. If I'm looking for treasure but I'm looking in the wrong place, I'm never going to find it. I think it's important because I don't believe that our, tre- our treasure lies in the earth, it lies in the world, it lies in the kingdom. I want to explain what I mean by that because the thing is this. God is going to give you tools in the world that you're going to need to fulfill your purpose in life. The thing is, don't fall in love with the tools. In the world, God is going to put you at a place where he may bless you. And he may bless you with material stuff and he may bless you with finances. And that's an important thing because if you have finances, you can make some stuff happen. If you have finances, you can do some things. If you have finances, you can open doors and have opportunities that don't exist if you don't have those things. But don't fall in love with the tool of finances because you're falling in love with something of the world. What he's saying is the things of the world are passing away. What I want you to recognize is that your purpose and the place that I've called for you isn't going to be found in the world. It's going to be found in the kingdom. It's a tool and I'm going to give it to you because I want you to use it in the fulfillment ultimately of you discovering your place. But don't fall in love with the tool. We love it when people recognize an aspect of who we are and people affirm us in that. And when it happens on a broader scale, what really is it becomes a measure of popularity. And with all of social media nowadays, all of us have great opportunities to be very popular. But when popularity goes to its extreme, it really means that we become somebody who's famous. Fame offers you a springboard to have influence. But don't fall in love with fame. God may put you in a place where you may become a person who's famous. The thing about it is don't fall in love with the tool. He's given you that as an opportunity for the extension of kingdom. The thing is your position and your place, your calling is going to be kingdom centric. It's not going to be worldly. Don't fall in love with the tool. Power. Power is important. If you don't believe power is important, have a look at people in government who are legislating things left, right, and center. Power is important. Power in business is important. Power in education is important. Power in many respects is important. But don't fall in love with the tool. Don't try and get more power for the sake of fulfilling your purpose. It's not going to be discovered in that. It's just a tool for you to fulfill your calling. In different aspects of life, So many things that that are available to us and accessible to us. God doesn't mind for us to enjoy those things. 
God wants you to enjoy your life. The thing about it is don't fall in love with the world. Understand that your calling and your place is rooted and grounded in the kingdom. And he wants to do something with everything that he's given you so that cohesively you can use those things and sit and say, I know what I'm here to do for the kingdom. I recognize my place in the space. I recognize God's gifting. I recognize what God's given me because I'm on a mission to fulfill my place, my calling. This is where we end up in trouble, I believe, as a church, because we teach people, don't touch the things of the world. You don't want wealth. You don't want fame. You don't want popularity. You don't want money. You don't want any of those things. And then we sit down and we're so tired of throwing stones at the world. The problem with it is we've got rid of all of that stuff and we have no place to have influence. God is practical. He's going to put you in some of those spaces for a reason. Don't fall in love with the tools. That's all he's saying to you. Have a look at um, second, sorry, 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 to 17. I'm going to read it out of the Passion. Don't set the affections of your heart on this world or in loving the things of this world. The love of the Father and the love of the, of the world are incompatible. For all that the world can offer, the gratification of our flesh, the allurement of the things of the world, and the obsession with status and importance, none of these things come from the Father but from the world. This world and its desires are in the process of passing away. But those who love to do the will of God live forever. What he's saying to us is this. Those things are tools. Don't fall in love with them. The challenge for so many people, particularly people out in the world, is that they don't have the option of the kingdom. And so what it becomes is, I have to look at the world. I have to go and dig. I have to try and discover my purpose in the world because I don't have the option of the kingdom. What God's saying is, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. You're a new creation in Christ. What he's saying to you is, I want you to begin to realize that as an agent of the kingdom, you are here on a kingdom mission. And you're going to discover that the one who created you is actually kingdom-centric. The one who created you is the one who is, basically the kingdom comes out of him. What he's saying is, I created you for kingdom purpose, not for worldly purpose. I've come to realize that God is so smart. Not only is he so smart, should I tell you something? God loves you so very much that even and when we're at places where we don't recognize our purpose and we may not even have interest in it, he's putting us in situations and circumstances all the time that are seeding our lives that are putting things into our life, things that ultimately God desires to use for your calling. For your calling. And in that race and in that walk, we're going to make some dumb decisions. Has anybody ever made any dumb decisions? I've got good news for you if you're a person who's a dumb decision maker. God says, I recognize you're going to make a few of those. So in Romans 8 verse 28, he says, so we are convinced that every detail of our lives is continually woven together for good. For we are his lovers who have been called to fulfill his designated purpose. I know you're going to do some dumb stuff. 
And what he's saying is, my grace is there for you. My grace is there for you. I'm going to get you back on track. If you want to, I'll put you back on track. I looked at my dad's life. And it is interesting for me just to think about certain aspects of his life. But when he was very young, I believe God began to set him up and God began the process of working something in his life for his purpose. When he was young and he grew up, he, with regularity, his mom would put him outside to play. And she'd say, go off, you go and play by yourself. I'm busy doing whatever she was doing. And he learned to be independent. And he learned how to entertain himself. And he learned how to live from a place of independence in that space. When he was very young, he was healed of polio. He had a touch of God in his life. What was that all about? He was young, didn't really understand. But I knew there was something more to his life than just what I see. In his teen years, he started to develop an appetite for the things of God. And he went to a young people's group and he met my mom and they got married and he found a good thing. But a good thing doesn't always make for an easy life. Because the thing about it is, in that context, he came from a background where he was street smart and from a background that was wild. And my mom came from a background that was very spiritual in nature. And they rubbed against each other. But things happened in the rubbing. Things happened in the rubbing. He could never let go on the inside of him of that need for fulfillment. There was a spiritual thing on the inside of him. It always used to scratch at him. And so he got involved at our church and he got involved in handling the converts and the ministry area. And he loved it and he thrived in it. He went off and he signed up for Bible school and he did a number of years of Bible school because he wanted to grow in those things. And then he was approached by Kenneth Copeland Ministries and he was like, fine, I'll take that on. That seems like my next course. It, it, it fits kind of where I am. He had never reached his place. He hadn't reached his calling. But everything was contributing to who he was. All those little things were adding to who he was supposed to be ultimately. Your calling may not come instantaneously. Your calling may be something and probably is something that we're going to have to walk out. Don't dismiss what's happening in your life right at the moment as being inconsequential. Because the things that are being put into your life and some of the understandings that you're getting and some of the ways that you're growing in certain aspects and some of the hurts and the pains that you're experiencing and the ability to overcome those things, it's setting you up for your calling. It's setting you up to move into that place that he has got for you. He ran the ministry and then he, on a trip here, they were invited to come and start a church. And they came. If God ever calls you to start a church, this is the one time in life I would suggest to you, you ask him to either write it on the walls 
or you say, I want you to come down in person and talk to me. <laughs> Nobody appreciates what it's like to start a church. Because you do it with people. People. You get some great people. Get some wonderful people. You get some rough people. And you get some cruel people. And you get some controlling people. And you've got to deal with people. And when you've got to deal with people and you're trying to create something that you believe is my calling, you've got to do some stuff and you've got to be able to rely on some stuff and you've got to be able to reference some stuff in your life and in your past that's going to move you to a place that says, you know what, I can make this happen. If you're to be an entrepreneur, I can't sit and bleed my heart out every time somebody says, I don't like it. If anybody knew my dad, you would know he did what was right. And he did what he believed God wanted him to do. And if you shouted at him, and if you yelled at him, and if you left the church, and if you refused to pay tithes and offerings, and if you sat and said, I'm going to say bad things about you, he didn't care. Why? Because I knew what my calling was. And the thing about it is, I can't live in a space where I'm worried about what everybody has to say about me. Because who I was as a kid came back. And all of a sudden, the fact that I could live my life being independent and not worried about what everybody thought about me and what everybody had to say about me, all of those things came back. And it's like, I can move in this space and I can do some stuff in this space that other people couldn't do because they were too worried about what everybody else was saying. Independence came out. He didn't know it when he was three years old running around, but God was building something on the inside of him that would move him to a place where he would be, okay, I can step into this right now. I can begin to live this out right now. It wasn't equipping for who he was. He didn't realize it, but when God touched him and he was healed of polio, there was a desire on the inside of him that says, I don't want church as normal. Put me in a place that's full of religious churches. Put me in a place where everybody thinks that they're just going to go to heaven and escape it and leave the earth to go to hell in a handbasket. He was like, no. That's not why we're here. We're here to have influence. And we're not just talking about religious influence. We're talking about spiritual influence. I'm here to tell you, I am a person who's experienced the touch of God in my life. This is who I used to be until he touched me and healed me from polio. And now I can walk along upside. I'm here to introduce you to the fact that we serve a supernatural and a miraculous God. And I want you to know what I've experienced. Because his past put him in a place. Where it said, I was getting you ready for your purpose. I'm getting you ready for your calling. You have a good wife. You have a good spouse. You have a good husband for a reason. Because you know what? You don't know everything. And there were some times where you, in fact, let me rephrase that. Every time you will make better decisions when you get together with your partner than whether you make them independently. You're there for a reason. Don't sit and indulge your spouse. If you don't believe something and you know it's not right, you are neglecting your responsibility as a good spouse to sit and say, I hear what you're saying, but... Why? Because I'm interested in your calling. 
I'm not going to. I had somebody who came to me and they said to me, I just, you know, I believe that I just wanted to tell you that we're leaving the church. And because, you know, God has said to us, um, we just stay home on Sundays as a family and enjoy it as a family. I said, oh. I said, and did God tell you this? Well, did you pray about it? No. He's sitting there with his wife. So I said to his wife, I said, and what do you think of this? And she's like, well, he's the head of the house, you know. And it's like, and I'm listening to this. And she was more spiritual than he was. Stand up. No. Why? Because you've got a calling. Because you've got a place. And you're not going to find your place moving outside of what God wants for you. And I can tell you it's moving outside of what God wants for you. Because if he's placed you in a space, you don't go off so we can go and spend more time together as a family. You're homeschooled. How much more time do you want to spend together? You're at home every day. You're on a mission. You better recognize the fact that everybody has a calling. And your responsibility in that space is to sit and say, I'm here. Believe me, my mom had to do it with my dad many times. And she had to be careful. Because if she ever went away, anything could happen. She came back and he got a tattoo. Why? Because he had a wild side to him. But he needed it. He needed it because he was doing something that was different. He was street smart and he could make stuff happen. And it doesn't matter what you told him. And it didn't matter the fact that the finances weren't the way that it should have been. And it doesn't matter that this, that, and that. It's like, this is where we're going. Where are you going in life? And how much do you want it? I want you to know something. Please hear me. Your calling is bigger than you. Your calling is about the kingdom. And the kingdom needs purpose-driven people right now. What the kingdom doesn't need is people who are namby-pamby and it's like, we just love God. I know you love God. It's a good starting point. You should never lose your love for God. Your love for God should grow because it's going to introduce you to who you are. But who you are is there for a purpose. It's not an indulgence. On your journey through life, you may not understand it. But I can tell you now, God's putting some stuff in you. Because when you reach that place, you're going to sit and say, I see it. And you know what? I have what it takes. I have the resource. I have the ability. I have the influence. I have the know-how. I have the knowledge. I have the experience. I have the relationship. I'm in a place right now where I can walk into what he's called me to do because of where I've been. Don't give up because you haven't discovered your purpose just yet. Don't just give up because your place and your calling maybe hasn't come to fruition just yet. Maybe he's still doing some stuff in you and doing some stuff around you and positioning you in a place where you will realize what it is, but you will step into that. Your responsibility, understand this, you were born with a calling. You were created with a calling. My responsibility is to discover the calling. My responsibility is to discover the treasure because it's sitting in the kingdom waiting for you. Don't look at the world. Use the tools. Don't fall in love with them. Use the tools. Don't keep your hands off stuff. 
You put your hands on stuff. You get involved in business. You get involved in government. You get involved in education. You get involved in media. Why? Because I'm here as a kingdom representative. And I'm here looking for opportunities and space because God has got a calling for me. And it may be lurking somewhere around the next corner. And it might be in that company. Maybe it's over here in local government. Maybe it's over here as a school board. I don't know where God's called me to be, but I'm looking because I'm a kingdom agent. And I'm searching kingdom right at the moment because I'm looking for my opportunity to step in into my place. I want to speak to you about your place next week. I'm going to speak to you about practical things that you can do to step into your place. I want to thank you, Father, that you're a strategic God. I thank you that you're a God of strategy. I think that you're a God who considers things and you're aware of things from the foundation, from before the foundation of the earth. I want to thank you that every single person here, every single person watching, you knew about their life and that you planned it out before you ever put flesh onto that idea. I want to thank you for hungry hearts, people who are committed to the, the, the idea of stepping into their calling and the place that you've designed for them. I thank you that the steps of a righteous man are ordered of you. I want to thank you, Father, for people that you give prolific opportunities to, to take hands of the kingdom, feet of the kingdom, and put them in the world. I thank you that the kingdom is making advancements in spaces right now, in places where the kingdom, where, where, where the world has had too much influence for too long. I want to thank you for equipping people to be world changers. I bless you for every person represented. I thank you, Father, that as they step into and begin to live from their full identity of who they are in Christ, I want to thank you that authority is found in there. I want to thank you that provision is found in there. I want to thank you that blessing is found in there. I want to thank you that the anointing is found in that space. And as they begin to live from that place, I thank you that everywhere they go, they go as kingdom agents, changing the world in which we find ourselves. Heaven is where we praise you. But earth is where we glorify you. I thank you for people who glorify you every day. In Jesus' name.